Welcome to the Open Source Founders Podcast. I'm Emily O'Meara. I'm talking with Pierre Bergy of Strappy today. And this is a, a new podcast that I'm doing actually to support the Open Source Founders Summit, which is a conference that uh, I'm organizing in May for open source founders. The goal of the conference is to have really concrete, actionable insights actionable takeaways that founders can have. And that's also the goal of this podcast is to talk to some of the people that will be speaking and coming to the, the conference and share some really actionable insights. So, Pierre, thank you so much for, for joining me. Thanks a lot for having me. And the first thing, actually, before we start, in case somebody hasn't heard of you, can you tell us about Strappy? And when I say tell us about Strappy, like both what is it? but also about the company, like how many employees, uh, how much money you've raised, anything else about the structure of the company? Sure. Uh, so Stripe is an open source headless content management system. Uh, we created Stripe in 2015 where we were, when we were students because we were frustrated by traditional content management systems when we wanted to manage content on mobile applications or when we wanted to create modern websites using front-end frameworks such as Angular at the time, and then React and Vue.js and all of these cool frameworks that allow developers to build faster websites. Today, we are 80 people in the team, and we are 100% remote in 13 different countries with a total of 23 nationalities, and we raised a total of 45 million uh, with a 30 million Series B last year. Excellent. Thank you for that. And what we're going to talk about today is really taking a deep dive into different open source business models. Before we dive into that, though, I actually wanted to just ask your thoughts um, about open source businesses in general. Um, more specifically, like, why do you think open source founders need to talk to each other more? Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, every commercial open source company is very different, but also shares lots of, uh, of, of, of challenges that are quite unique uh, to commercial open source companies. Uh, so it's often about uh, working with the community and business models and, and all of these kind of things. And it, it is what makes this space uh, so interesting, so unique. It's because there is a specific set of challenges. And I think because we share the same challenges, there is so much we can learn from each other because even if we build different tools, even if we build different kind of software, the challenges are the same. And so by chatting with other commercial open source funders, you will learn so much from from them, from what they went through, uh, because we have the same challenges. So the good news is that the solutions are often the same across different verticals, um, across different categories. So that's good news. So this is exactly the same the same thing that I think. First of all, the reason open source companies are so interesting is because they have a, some challenges that other sort of straight proprietary softwares just don't encounter. 
I'm curious though, because I hear a lot of people use the word challenges. Do you also think there are specific opportunities that are unique to open source companies? Because I do. I do too. Uh, yeah, and 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 yes. Uh, uh, the the magic of building open source software is that you you build an amazing community of users uh, that contribute uh, to, to to building the software, and and so the team is so much bigger than your own team. It's actually uh, building this entire community, working together, and. Uh, Having this collective intelligence that eventually brings amazing ideas and a way to develop, to create faster and better. And of course, when it comes to go to markets, uh, what's unique about uh, open source software is that it's more likely to be recommended by users and especially by developers. And this is, again, from a go-to-market point of view, it is a fantastic way to be recommended in all of the companies in the world by developers just because they love your solution and they like to recommend it because it's open source. And this is a fantastic opportunity for all of these commercial open source companies. Totally agree. Okay, so let's talk, though, about something that's a big challenge for a lot of open source companies and that you have grappled with and um, thought about a lot, which is business models. Um, Let's maybe just start with, like, where did Strappy start? What was your original business model and how and why has it changed? Yeah, that's a good question. And and. By the way, I think instead of challenges, we, we should use dilemma, uh, which is a good way to <laughs> illustrate uh, the kind of questions we can ask ourselves as, uh, as open source funders. And so to tell you a bit more about what we went through. So we, we published Astrapy on GitHub in October 2015, and we're starting uh, being full-time on it in 2017. We raised a pre-seed run in 2018, a seed run in 2019, and uh, Index Ventures printed our series A in 2020. At the beginning of 2020, we are not making revenue at all. Uh, we had the chance to raise a total of $15 million without uh, making revenue. The market was much better than it was than it is now, and so that's something I do not recommend to do in this market, except if... If you're, if you're working on AI uh, specifically, uh, but otherwise um, build a sustainable business, that's very important. And so we had the chance to, to raise the three rounds. And so beginning of 2020, we're like, okay, it's time to make revenue. And so I think the three main business models for uh, commercial open source companies are support, open core, and SaaS. By support, I mean um, offering support to existing users. Uh, that's good, but uh, it does not really scale, and uh, you will more likely become a service company, which is not necessarily what you want when when, when you build software. The second option is open core. Uh, so 
This means you have a set of features that uh, we, you will keep under a proprietary license and that you will uh, sell to existing users. And uh, these features can typically be single sign-on or based access control, all of this kind of enterprise collaboration features. And you will more likely uh, create an enterprise edition, uh, which is an extension of the open source product. And all of this is uh, self-hosted. The third option is building a SaaS. So that's basically offering your software as a service. And so users don't need to set up servers uh, to use your tool. They don't need to manage the infrastructure, scaling, security, and all of that stuff. And so this really are the three main options, support, open core, and SaaS. And so back in 2020, um, we already knew that we did not want to be a service company. So we said, okay, support is not going to be our main business model. And so the choice was really between open core and SaaS. And so that's uh, uh, a recurring question uh, across almost every uh, commercial open source company. And uh, at Trappy, we decided to start with open core because uh, at the time our team was pretty small. And so we did not really have the resources to build a managed version of Strapi, especially as Strapi is designed to be installed locally by developers and then to be deployed in production. And that means the managed version is more platform as a service than software as a service. And so it's a bit more complex to, to build. And um, at the time our uh, ecosystem was a bit crowded uh, on the SaaS side of things. And we're like, well, uh, we are the only one, almost the only uh, open source headless CMS. And we have this pool of users uh, that they just want this additional features. We know they are willing to pay for, for these features. And we're like, well, that sounds like a good next step. And so we built uh, first enterprise features, which was role-based access uh, control. And we started selling it through the enterprise edition. And this went pretty well. Uh, so that's where the first step. So when I look at a lot of open source companies, I've never had somebody admit this, but sometimes it seems to me like people just assume um, that the way, like we have to do an open core edition, we have to do a SaaS edition. Like they don't really think, do we do one or the other, but rather like we must do both. What made you decide, like, actually, no, we're going to focus on this one, at least for a little while? Yeah, uh, that's a very good point. And, uh, well, you can do both. But if you build two different machines, uh, you won't optimize any of these two. And so I think building startups with open source or not is all about focus. And it's very important to pick one business model and to iterate on it because it's not about just releasing an, an enterprise edition or just releasing uh, SaaS. Uh, it really is uh, about iterating on the pricing, iterating on the onboarding on of one, one product or the other, and so on and so on. Uh, so it's much more complex than it looks on paper. And uh, I will... <laughs> tell you more about uh, our journey and uh, how we 
later release uh, Strapi Cloud and, and how these two machines are, are very different. Uh, but just to talk about open core versus SaaS, they will require very different set of people in your team. If you think about open core, you will think about self-hosted and data privacy. That's the kind of thing that will be appreciated by very big companies. If you think about SaaS, your ICP will more likely be SMBs and mid-market. And so this means that, by definition, you target two different ICPs. And you cannot be excellent at targeting two different ICPs. And within your team, if you start with Open Core, you will probably need a sales team because these big companies will want you to go through the procurement process. Uh, you will want to close big deals to justify the complexity of going through these companies. And you will more likely need a, a support team as well to answer their questions. On the other side, if you build a SaaS for uh, your, your product, you will need SREs and, uh, and, and, and people to manage the infrastructure, which is something you absolutely don't need if you start with Open Core, which is something we, we, we like, to be honest. For, for three years, we, we were sleeping very well on our weekends. You know, everything was hosted on our uh, customer servers. Uh, and of course, we, we guarantee support and so on and so on. Uh, but what I mean is that even when you would think about building your own team, uh, you will you would be all over the place if you build both business models at the same time. That being said, I can understand that many funders, you know, they might have some gut feeling and they want to verify their hypothesis. And I think this is something they should do. And I think a good way to do it is to fake it until you make it. And so you would probably want to understand where you get most traction from. And so it's completely fine to publish a pricing page and add an enterprise edition and add a SaaS version. You can even set the price public and see where you get most uh, requests from. This is something we did in the very early days of Strapi. Uh, for us, it was not about making a decision between Open Core and SaaS. It was more about the positioning of Strapi between being a framework and a CMS. And so we published a pricing page on our website. We listed a lot of features that were not available at all. And people were filling in this form and one of the questions we're asking was, okay, as part of all of the features listed, what features are you mostly interested in? And this helped us a lot to better define our positioning and to consider Strapi as a CMS, not as a framework. And so that's really the kind of thing that you can completely do. Um, if you're building a startup, always keep in mind that your startup is smaller than what you think. What I mean by this is that keep trying, keep iterating and, and yeah, just fake it until you make it. It's not about lying, it's about learning. And by publishing such pricing page with like the enterprise editions here, with single sign-on, world-based access control, and maybe a few additional features that are, you know, very much related to, to your product. It can be about scalability feature for database or these kind of things. And on the same page, you add the SaaS offering 
and and you will see you will see what what users are interested in. Uh, but in in any case, I think SaaS had the advantage of shortening the time to value, just because users do not need to install your software on their own servers, uh, which is quite time consuming, even if it looks simple. And uh, this alone um, brings a lot of value to to your users. So when did you decide that you wanted to to try the cloud offering? Well, that's a good question. I would say it was back in 2015 when we were using similar tools (laughs) and uh, we were dreaming not only about having an amazing API first Node.js EMS, but also one-click deployment solution dedicated to that specific piece of software. So uh, we've been dreaming about it for a very long time. And um, our investors uh, pushed us very much on the cloud rather than the Enterprise Edition. Uh, We decided to start with the Enterprise Edition anyway. I do not regret it just because it allowed us to raise our CSP, so to to make enough revenue to raise our CSP. And... uh, Again, the context was very different. We had a very small team at the time. It was not about building a SaaS, but a platform as a service, which is a bit different. And so I have no regrets, but uh, I must admit that if I had to do it again, I would start with with, um, with SaaS. And um, we knew that this is something we wanted to do, but it's also by chatting with not only our investors, but a lot of commercial open source funders that we realized the importance of having a SaaS offering. So that's just in our case, that's just one example for us. But what I mean is that by chatting about the specific topics with other funders, we've learned so much. Uh, we, we had discussions with uh, people from Elastic, from GitLab, and so many other commercial open source companies and we've learned a ton from them and we are very grateful. So that's why I think it's so important to be connected in this ecosystem. So when did you actually start building the the cloud offering? And second question, do you now have both? So are you now trying to run two machines? The answer is yes to the second question, uh, and, and I will start answering the first one. So we started developing Stripe Cloud beginning of 2022, and it was live, stable, on the 1st of March 2023. Uh, I think I will always remember that specific date. Uh, so long story short, it took 12 months uh, to develop that new product, which is a very separate product just because it's a platform as a service. And so it took us 12 months at the beginning with one person, two person, uh, two people, and, and then a few more people in this team. And so, yeah, that's what it took. And um, within this 12 months, we had an alpha version and then the beta version. And then we finally released the, the stable version. Are so you the, trying to move timing. people from open core? Or are you trying to sort of shift your business to the cloud? Like, is, is an ideal future where you don't offer the open core anymore? Well, that's a great question. Uh, so we are not that radical, or at least not yet. But yes, we are shifting the entire business to the cloud. 
This is the future of our business model. It not only boosts our revenue, like we are, we are generating 50% of our new logo ARR from the cloud already, and it's 100% self-serve. So the results are amazing. Uh, and it's not because the enterprise edition slowed down. So it's working really well. And um, not only it it's better from a revenue point of view, uh, but it's also better from a cost margin point of view. Yes, we do have server costs, but we have less support for users because they do not need to configure the infrastructure on their own cloud. And so they ask less questions about the specific topics. Um, so it's very good from a business point of view. And it's excellent from a user and and and, and developer experience and uh, community point of view, just because it makes using Stripey, but it could be the case for any other software, it makes using software just easier. And that's great because you really get that flywheel effect on people see the value, they talk about your product and they recommend your product to friends and uh, and, and they eventually start paying. Uh, so yeah, it's um, it's it's great. And uh, we are glad that we released this, uh, this product in 2023. Uh, it has been the main uh, project of, uh, of that specific year. And um, we continue shifting the focus of the business. It's a tricky move. Um, we we called it the great transition here at Strabi. That was the name of that huge project. And um, what's tricky is that you are shifting from a very much enterprise ICP to uh, SMB slash mid-market ICP. And um, it changes your priorities in terms of product. It changes your priorities in terms of support because the level of support might be a little bit different. And even more importantly, it changes your strategy in terms of go to market because you will focus more on volume rather than closing a few of these very big deals. And so I think the transition from self-serve to sales-driven. Um, and, and to me, there is a very strong correlation between SaaS and self-serve and open core and sales-driven. Of course, as you grow, uh, SaaS will also go enterprise and you will definitely have a sales team and you will definitely have all of, the, all of this enterprise features. But to me, just because products mature over time, in the early days, you will more likely target mid-market and, and SMBs just because you don't have all of this huge set of enterprise features that big enterprises need and all of the certifications and so on and so on. And that's fine. It just, just takes time. And so by shifting from enterprise sales to self-serve mid-market, um, it's a, it's a cultural shift in your company. If you have an existing sales team, they will probably see self-serve hitting what they sell. And it's hard for them. Um, I'm, I'm definitely not blaming anyone uh, but the opposite. Because, you know, out of a sudden, 
they, they first might consider that the open source version is a competitor and you wrote a really good article about this and uh, I think it should not be considered as a as a competitor. And uh, now they also have this cloud product, um, which, you know, as a public price, which might be more affordable and, and so on and so on. And so it's it really requires a lot of education within your team to say, okay, we're going to focus on self-serve. And we at Stripe made a very bold decision on not allowing the sales team to sell the cloud product. And this was was pretty hard, um, but we think it, it was necessary, not only for the business, not only for the product team, but also for the sales team itself. What I mean is that building for mid-market and building for enterprises are two different roadmaps. And again, it's just a matter of sequencing over time. We first want to build a fantastic user experience, work on the activation rate, uh, the retention rate, and these kind of things. And then we'll go up market as we move forward. But for the moment, we really want to build that excellent product. And if we start too early on the enterprise with the cloud product, we'll focus on single sign-on and certifications and uh, time SLAs and uh, audit logs and, and collaboration and so on and so on. All of these are important features, but you first want to build a, an amazing product that every individual will recommend and that they recommend in their teams. And so we made that uh, important decision. So the sales team st- uh, keeps selling the enterprise edition. And again, it, ke- it keeps working well. We want to make sure that they do not lose their time trying to sell a product that's not 100% enterprise ready. And again, the product is not even one year old uh, for, for the cloud. And so uh, that's why as a founder, you really need to be intentional on, on the direction you're, you're taking. And um, again, doing that shift from enterprise to bid market, from sales driven to self-serve is a, is a tricky one. Uh, there is a really good podcast uh, from, I think it was, yeah, one of the members of, of, of HubSpot. Uh, uh, he was saying that when they released the CRM product, they wanted to go PLG, even if PLG was maybe not even an acronym at the time. And they've built a specific product at a separate floor in their office. And so the sales team was not allowed to, to sell it. And so this helped us to build that uh, PLG motion, uh, that self-serve product. And uh, once it became mature enough, the sales team was able to, to sell it. And it was a fantastic success for the company, uh, for the sales team, just because it's uh, more efficient, uh, just because the product is excellent, uh, because they thought about every detail for sales or customers and making sure that they can see the value by themselves. And um, the sales team was able to focus on the right customers and uh, and sell to people who are ideally already convinced about the product because they've seen the value by being self-serve users. And um, I think that's really the best of both worlds. And so you've talked, you've actually given us a super good overview of this transition from um, proprietary or on-prem to cloud. But how does being open source play in here? How does the open source project play into this? And particularly I'm asking because I often think of open source companies as already running two machines. Um, the, 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 
the open source project yes. being sort of the first one. So as you've been adding the, the cloud uh, product into your product suite, how has the open source project played a role? Well, um, that's exactly what you said. There are two different machines, uh, but at the same time, they are extremely correlated uh, because they create that flywheel. Um, so the popularity of the open source project is what will fuel the revenue of the paid product. And by the way, no matter if it's a cloud product or an enterprise uh, edition, I think. And the revenue from your paid products will fuel the community because you you will be able to hire more engineers and to uh, promote the project a bit more and so on and so on. So there are just two very different things. I think it's very important to keep in mind these two machines. And sometimes you also need to be intentional on either or, uh, the other one is either priority. Um, that's, that's part of the journey. Um, there are different phases in every project, every company. In the early days, I think it's all about the community. And uh, now that the market is uh, uh, a bit more difficult uh, to raise money and so on and so on, I think every company out there is all about efficiency. And so it really makes sense to make sure that revenue is not a taboo. And uh, and I think especially for commercial open source companies, because at the beginning everything is about open source and the community and everything is free, uh, that's yet another transition to make is to, okay, educate the team on the importance of, of making revenue and so on and so on. And so I think it's really important to define what the priorities are, but you can't go all in on one or the other. If you only focus on revenue, you will more likely kill your open source project, which is the last thing we do, you, do, you want. And if you only focus on the project, you will kill your company. And I think that's not something you want. Uh, so it really is about finding the right balance. And I think that's something you find in every aspect, like uh, on the way you promote your product, on the way you prioritize uh, features and issues uh, in your roadmap. I think it's also in the way that you give support to not only your uh, paying customers, but also to uh, free users from the community. So. It's a, a cursor that you you keep moving all the time, uh, but I really like your your metaphor of having these two two different machines. Uh, I think it's uh, it's essential for for this kind of company. So just to sort of pull out a couple of points for people, one of the things that really struck me is that when you're thinking about what kind of or sorry, when you're thinking about the business model that you're gonna you're going to go for as an open source company, what you really need to ask yourself isn't just, uh, you know, what's going to be most profitable. Obviously that's important, but also there's an aspect of what kind of company do I want to build? Because it's going to be fundamentally different and playing the PLG game is, it's just a different game for your company than if you're playing the, the sales led, you know, let's go sign a $10 million deal. Um, and you should, you know, at, at some level decide not only, and you should also think like, what's the best fit for whatever it is that my project does, but also what, what kind of company am I most interested in having? Yes. Yeah, definitely. I think it's important to know what you want as a founder. 
if you like the sales DNA, that's completely fine. If you like the sales serve DNA, that's completely fine. If you have more conviction about the enterprise edition self estate that's fine. If you have more conviction about the uh, cloud, that's fine too. Um, I think you want to validate this hypothesis uh, for from the market, uh, just because we all have beliefs and, and and biases, and so it's important to okay make a, a good choice for the company on top of what we want. But if that's really what we want, I think it's better to, it's very important to be passionate uh, when you've been in the business. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Really what You really want to believe in what you do. And so, of course, it's important to find the right balance between making what you like and making what's best for the company. And um, yeah, I think it's it's very important to 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 know what direction you want to take. And you've also made some points about how important it is to focus and also to be intentional yeah. in your choices. Yeah, exactly. And for the open core versus uh, SaaS choice, my answer really is default to SaaS, except if you your ICP really is the enterprise because you work in a regulated industry where data ownership, data hosting is extremely important. So if you're in this situation or because your SaaS uh, competitors, uh, because you have a, a lot of SaaS competitors, so if, if your market is very crowded on the SaaS side of things and you don't have a differentiator, well, then you might want to consider uh, the the enterprise edition, but even even with this, um, yeah, I mean, this really are the two exceptions uh, that would motivate uh, you or me uh, making the choice of uh, of starting with Open Core. So, if your project helps people build software in air gapped environments, probably a SaaS isn't for you. But otherwise, think right. about it. Exactly. Anything else that you wish you had known or you wish you could tell yourself um, back in 2020 uh, about your business model choice? Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that the list would be long. Um, one thing that's maybe not related directly to the, to the business model, but that's really about finding investors. Uh, I think... Uh, commercial open source companies are specific kind of companies and uh, it's not about the VC firm but really about the VC partners and so you want to make sure that uh, you talk to the right people in every firm and so there are some lists of uh, investors who are popular for investing in a, in a lot of uh, commercial open source companies and I think that's essential uh, because these companies are unique uh, you want to talk to people who do understand that. Um, so that's one of the things that we we have learned along the way. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming in on, on the on the show, um, preparing for the Open Source Founders Summit, and talking about business models uh, for listeners. 
um, come to the conference on May 27th and 28th in Paris. Check out the website. And uh, that's it. Thank you so much, Pierre. Thank you so much, Emily. And I look forward to the event.